Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. Sorry that I skipped yesterday, but, uh, well... As you can hear, this is not my usual microphone because I still am not sure what happened with, with that one. As um, as well, you know, the, the quirky, quirky sound in, in the middle of the episodes is kind of a bad thing. And I want to give you as best episodes as I possibly can. So while grabbing my backup and while planning for, for the trip, because, yeah, I'm going to be um, in the United States tomorrow at, uh, at about 2.40 p.m. It's going to be... Uh, wild two weeks for me we're going to continue working though we're not taking a break it's just that the episodes are going to be a bit less frequent i i you know i'm gonna to have to follow through a massive amount of vpns and all this stuff but yeah yeah arriving in new york tomorrow and then we're gonna to go to maine and all this stuff uh, in case of whatever just message us on twitter that's a good reason for you to join twitter if you haven't already we are really looking for those twenty thousand followers that could help our kind of publicity and everything so yeah messages there would we'll be we'll be happy to see anyone who's in new york or or dc or maine or uh, or well other other places too on the east coast because it's a plan to kind of travel around secondly um we heard um, a news about how a canadian group that gathers gathers funds and materials for volunteers they ran into some trouble because of the funds that came from there you know, uh, apparently the supplier gave him like low quality bandages and, and and tourniquets and whatnot, and it turned out to be totally useless. And now the Ukrainians can't use it, and money's wasted. So kind of a bad look for everyone. Uh, let me reassure, reassure you that I've spoken through our Latvian embassy in Ukraine with the Minister of Interior of Ukraine, uh, Gerashenko himself, when, while he was together with the troops that were trying to help, and I have a list of exactly. What, what they need, and as, well, you know, we're going to do this all August, and, you know, it's going to be kind of a birthday gift for me, I suppose, because my birthday is on 28th of August, so about then we're going to grab all the money that we, that we'll be have collected, and then we'll buy stuff for the guys in Ukraine, and on my birthday I'll be happy to give someone else a birthday gift, and it's going to be really nice if it actually saves lives. We have specifics for drones and, and for other stuff, and all the remainder of money is obviously just going to go to the, uh, embassy of ukraine in latvia because these guys know the best where it's gonna go it's gonna be fun 
because my own my own fund is going to be now, but at the end of this month, we're doing something good, comrades. But uh, about the news, yeah, Igor Girkin's been kind of low on information lately. He recently did a long speech, and he also posted two updates. One's about the situation in the front, and the other one will be more interesting to my American listeners, because that considers China. It's kind of interesting. Well then, from Girkin, on the Donetsk front, heavy battles continue. Our forces, that is, he's talking about Russians, basically gnaw through a long-term defense of Ukrainians. Basically, about two-thirds of Marinika uh, is liberated, as they say, and there's also a continued movement in Pieski. The Ukrainians are being shelled a lot, but, uh, well, taking the spot always falls down to the infantry. And there are losses of the Ukraini- of the Ukraini- of the Russian side, sorry, but uh, apparently Girkin claims that Ukrainians are losing way more troops. He's ki- quite happy about this, stating that the the uh, accuracy of the artillery and the, mor- the accuracy of the artillery and kind of the competency of the troops is there. But but that's explainable also because they're veterans at this point. I mean, six months of war. Sure, they're tired. They had a bit of a break. But they're veteran soldiers now. And the Ukrainian side, we see more new recruits fighting. So I guess it's the experience taking toll. And also, well, Russians are just using their sheer numerical advantage, of course, as well. However, an interesting thing that happened was that when I read um, Aristovich, Ukrainian side, kind of account about all this, what's happening now. Well, yeah, Russia is having some successes, but they're kind of local and tactical. They're not as not as important. Ukraine is mostly shelling the um, shelling the, the points where the ammunition is being held and the weaponry and all this stuff, which is kind of interesting. And he also sort of gave me an explanation about why Gitkin's been kind of low lately. See, and I, I tend to believe this. For one, Russia is afraid of any Ukrainian success because that will be the breaking point of morale for the whole campaign. See, everything on the Russian side currently, is held together by an illusion of Russia being the offensive party. They are kind of the attackers. They, they haven't been beaten anywhere. And this also explains why they kind of retreated from Kiev and all those, all those other places, since if they would, would have beaten on the battlefield, yeah, that would lead to a massive blow, since that's exactly how it went on the Russo-Japanese war. So this is why Russian propaganda is showing off every hundred meters of captured territory. And, well, they're, they're just showing everything as a great victory if, if some tiny village is taken, great success and all this stuff. And they're also, like, throwing, throwing the people and, and everything they have in this. And they're also just, you know, with, with, all, the, all, with, with all this situation, they're just pushing out. But in a way, if you know what's up, then Russia is inadvertently announcing that it can't really continue this long term. They, uh, they can continue applying pressure they can they can apply you know wearing out tactics to ukrainian soldiers but they are so afraid of any ukrainian victory because that will be a massive blow that that will that'll instantly turn mr putin into a fucking loser instantly and because everyone will remember past past stuff his whole image everything he's crafted so far that all that all will be gone just whoosh so, which is why Ukraine's kind of not falling for these attacks in other areas. They're trying to expand their own, you know, for their, their own kind of 
basis for for the assault and they're preparing apparently i'm I'm being told that the main fighting is going to start to happen in about a week or so that's the big issue here and ukrainians well although there are sacrifices and people are being evacuated from donetsk well the area is under ukrainian control in donetsk yeah well Zelensky himself stated that the more people evacuate the less people the russians will kill and talking about russian murders and i'll get to Girkin and his china stuff later as well Talking about that, I heard an interesting theory from Yulia Latinina, also an opposition journalist in Russia, which I follow. She used to work at Echo of Moscow, one of the big names. Same was with my mentor, Alexander Nevzorov, and uh, you could Google him up. He used to be a controversial figure, but he openly admits that he had been a fascist at one point and then kind of fixed himself. He states that, you know, he kind of suffered through fascism in a light form in the early 90s because you know he was one of the guys who was against the collapse of the ussr and you know people in vilnius and riga most people don't don't like him as much but he's still one of my mentors because his journalism job is excellent and he's also shown that he's changed but they stated that if you look at how these prisoners in the uh, in the bomb base were held right that it's, it, was, it was basically a concentration camp and although the russian side they've been trying to portray uh, the Azov prisoners, because we're talking about the guys who defended Mariupol there, as you know, uh, as sort of well kept, nicely fed people. Some people who are like looking through the footage afterwards after this incident of, uh, well, as Russia claims, HIMARS striking that place, but as we all know, it's totally not the case. It's quite likely just uh, they locked him up and threw grenades inside from the windows. But, um, but yeah, they they literally put them on 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 kind of a kind of a pedestal and showed them all around, while obviously the real life conditions were were basically a concentration camp. We're talking about that level here, and the reason why Putin might have done this and also the attack on Odessa just after uh, signing signing the whole treaty thing is the fact that Erdogan made him wait. I'm not even kidding here. It's interesting because if you think about it, Putin's a very kind of a selfish person. And he's not very mature in the sense that he takes offense of super tiny acts. Like, he reacts to everything. He likes to be the macho, very offensive type of person, even when it comes to diplomacy. If you remember, in every meeting any any foreign dignitary has been, you know, visiting and to meet Putin, in every meeting, Putin has made them wait. Putin always shows up late to every meeting. He made Euro Parliament wait for two hours. And when he does come up, he offends people. He likes to do that. Kind of in a polite way, but still. Everyone very well knows in Europe that Angela Merkel was afraid of dogs. Well, then, he decided to take huge dogs with him when he met Angela Merkel. And uh, he also knows, and this might cost him dearly, that, uh, you know, Winnie the Pooh is um, kind of an insulting nickname for Xi Jinping, the Chinese leader. I mean, China has its own problems, but I'm not a Chinese show, but you know what I'm talking about. And um, when, when Z visited Russia, Putin gave him a pot of honey as a gift, diplomatically. See, he's that kind of person. He's, he's kind of a 13-year-old teenager person when it comes to these personal slights and insults. And if you think about it, well, Erdogan made him wait for like more than, more than a couple of minutes. Erdogan made him wait Erdogan and Turkey and these these talks try to try to show the who's boss to Putin because Erdogan himself is not a you know very very 
morale, very morale infused person, so to speak. But um, if you think about it, yeah, Putin can't take it. This this whole insulting thing. He just, you know, Erdogan signed up as a guarantor, as one of the guarantors of the whole deal, right? And also, he was one of the guarantors of the Azov soldiers taken out of Mariupol. And um, yeah, it's quite likely that Putin wants to kind of push in the way of everyone this whole act that, well, you slided me out of the gun. Well, what kind of guarantor are you? We're just going to do these things and we're going to deny them. N- doesn't matter that no one believes us. It's just, you know, paperwork and diplomacy. I think this might be just kind of a slight at uh, Erdogan. And the trick is, it kind of shows also how this idea of Russia being afraid of any United- any Ukrainian success, how that's important. Because in Russia, Putin and Russia and, and Putin's head is, are one of the same thing. And um, he's afraid of, you know, he needs to be the top dog. Although he clearly isn't. He has to appear as the top dog. And any Ukrainian success and actually a major victory will deal a massive blow both to his ego. He'll start panicking like Hitler did, definitely. We'll deal, we'll, this will deal a massive blow to his ego. It'll deal a massive blow to his PR image. He's afraid. He's afraid of being a loser. <laughs> the, the trick is, he's a loser already, except that he's one of those guys, you know, he reminds me of one of those bullies at school who came from, like, really, really bad families and, and had, like, no one else to love and care about them because they all have issues. And then, you know, and, and he's just trying to show his... He's just, you know, he he's bullying other people, in this case, Ukraine, because his own brain always tells him that he's a small, weak man that can't really, really, you know, deal with any real difficulty. Like many in Russia say, Russia is all about heroism. They can put up heroism. They can't do nine to five. They can't do nine to five. It's like it's not for them. That's that's how they put it, which is interesting. But yeah, this is how it kind of all ties together. Interestingly enough, that there's a situation going on in Nagorno-Karabakh um, also, because Azerbaijan is basically trying to say that, hey, Armenians uh, haven't left the Nagorno-Karabakh, so uh, we're just going to waltz in, and you do whatever, because basically, what you're going to do, Russia? Because Russia kind of guarantees Armenia, because they're all in this uh, Odekabwe, this, uh, I don't even know what the abbreviation in English, uh, well, they're, they're local mini-NATO analog with Central Asian countries. And um, you got to understand that in this situation, as with Kosovo and Serbia, where whole mess started because Kosovo started just to take the same measures as Serbia had towards Kosovars, because Russian side claims that there are no Kosovars whatsoever. Well, well Kosovo Albanians, they're actually sort of Albanian, more like. But um, they all say that it's Serbian land and rightful clay and all this whatnot. And with China as well, see, conflict's very advantageous to Russia. It can constantly pretend to guarantee something. It was the same thing if you've listened to my show previously about other conflict situations with every conflict created by the Soviet Union. See, Russia first organizes the mess. Like, Russia is... 99% of cases in these ethnic tensions in Eastern Europe is, is Russia's fault. And then they kind of come in with guarantees of peace and push their own agenda. They're, they're kind of like Crassus and ancient Rome. 
if you listen to these Dan Carlin series, I think it was in the in the fall of the Republic, where he stated that, and I double checked this afterwards, where Crassus established the first firefighting kind of office in um, in Rome, and sometimes they would start fires, you know, to earn some money. And if that house was on fire, hey, don't you want to pay us for you know us uh, saving your house, stuff like that. That's Russia's MO. So obviously, they're also very happy about the whole situation going on in China. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Meanwhile, this is what, um, talking about China, this is what Girkin says about China. Here you go, my short commentary about the Taiwan crisis, which hasn't ended yet. I understand that the leadership of Chinese um, of China has acted quite uh, sensibly, not reacting to the provocation of the United States in this moment when the Chinese army, or People's Liberation Army, that's how they call it, is not yet ready to fight the United States in their fleet and aviation. Basically, Gidkin also states that China will be ready to fight the United States with their fleet and everything at the end of 2025. Then he comments that China, to this upcoming war, prepares actively and, and with great, uh, great attention. And then he criticizes Putin without uh, making cartoons about nuking Florida and, and taking down uh, cardboard race dogs and all this stuff. See, for Russian side, for the pro-Russia, pro-war side, the war between the United States and China is not only inevitable, it is what they want. These guys, I don't know why, they, they've decided that the best way how to deal with everything is just kill everyone and stay on top. And the delusions of their own importance are just increasing in size. Putin recently gave a command to his own industrial complex to basically build up a fleet as big as the United States one. Yeah, how are you going to do that if your whole country's budget is, you know, less than the state of Texas? Not to offend Texas. Texas is a great state. I've, I've been there once. I liked it in Fort Worth. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm literally starting to think that either his ego is hurt, like Putin's ego... Or that he's being fed really wrong, really wrong information, or that he actually believes this crap. He's getting senile. Like, how can you give an order to build a navy that could defeat the United States Navy if you weren't prepared for this? Because Putin literally called the lack of Russian Navy a major threat of security for the Russia, right? And it's kind of bizarre. I mean, knowing that you're under sanctions, that you can't even produce cars with, 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 air, with airbags in them, with the security, that you've thrown out all the standards of, of you know, how proper people do things. How, why would you give an order that you know 
for a hundred percent won't be done. It just seems so bizarre to me, like utterly bizarre. And uh, yeah, this is going to be a bit of bit longer one. It's just that um, it's interesting since. Well, I'll be skipping a few days because I'm going to have massive jet lag. They always have jet lag when flying, uh, flying in the past towards the east. So, sorry, towards the west. Time zones are weird because, yeah. At any rate, in July, the Putin administration distributed two new messaging guides to Russia's pro-government media outlets and politicians. Both documents give detailed instructions for how to create parallels between Russia's current war in Ukraine and well-known historical events in the public imagination. The first one focuses on the 988 baptism of Rus, when Kiev and Rus ruler Vladimir the Great is said to have baptized the people of Kiev after converting to Orthodox Christianity himself. The second is about the 1240 Battle of the Neva, when Prince Alexander of Novgorod is believed to have defeated Swedish invaders on the banks of the Neva River. By the way, uh, it was not only Swedish invaders, there were Teuton invaders, and there were Germans as well. So during the short period of time when the Soviet Union was allied to, um, to, to Nazi Germany, the whole port- portrayal of their great Prince Alexander of Novgorod was considered kind of hush-hush, because that would offend the, G- the Nazi Germans. Uh, let me just, I, I always want to push through this. They, they used to be allies, and they were, they were planning on this. At any rate, the guides instruct the media their propaganda media, to use these events to portray Russia's current invasion of Ukraine as a preemptive war launched to protect Russia from a godless, resource-hungry West, as well as from, and um, I wish I was joking, as well as from Ukrainian Satanists, devil worshippers who make ritual human sacrifices. These arguments already began appearing in state media, and, and sometimes just absolutely verbatim. It's just weird. Like, this is crazy. (sighs) Basically, the document states, quote, and this is, I'm, I'm quoting this, this comes straight from the document. The baptism of Rus became the basis for the strengthening and the unity of the Russian state for hundreds of years. The Orthodox faith teaches compassion, love for one's neighbor, and tolerance for others. These values became the foundation of Russian civilization and allowed Russia to unite hundreds of distinct peoples. Today, members of all of Russia's ethnic groups have once again united in opposition to the godless and in defense of traditional values and our children's right to live in accordance with them. The document also says that adopting orthodoxy helped unite the disparate Russian lands and facilitated the creation of a state whose defining value was, wait for it, tolerance. If, if this doesn't... Like, if, if you're asking me and I can hear you uh, slamming your head against your, your palm or your keyboard or whatever, yeah, I feel that, sa- that, that same thing too. Now, the document then goes on to claim that the war in Ukraine, like the baptism of Rus, is consolidating the country's foundations as a state, as well as the <clears throat> foundations for Russia's development for centuries to come. Yeah, I agree with that, because Russia's going to fall apart and just dismantle itself like the USSR did. Absolutely. And uh, Western experts who disagree with me, well, they're just wrong. I, I'll, I'll give this at length to the people who want to interview me later on. It's going to be nice. All this social cohesion and everything. Carrying on from the document. The conflict in Ukraine was instigated at the hands of Western countries, which provided Ukraine with weapons. Ukraine was to become a staging ground for an attack on Russia. 
The strategic goal of the collective West has been unchanging for centuries. They want the containment, the weakening, the dismemberment, and the complete destruction of Russia. Well, see, no, no one really wanted that before you started invading other countries, like in 2008 with Georgia, and, you know, strengthening the conflict in Moldova and Transnistria, and now in Ukraine. I mean, now we do want disarmament, containment, weakening, and complete destruction of Russia. Well, complete destruction, optional, you'll do that yourselves, guys, but containment, weakening, and, and, and all this other stuff, disarmament? Yeah, absolutely, I'm all for it. At least they got this one right. And uh, one of the goals of this special military operation, as they call it, according to the document, is to <clears throat> fight against the godless, characterized by the authors as rapists, thieves, and murderers who don't believe in anything except money and who believe that this frees them from moral responsibilities to their people. The Kremlin also recommends that the media do not exempt Ukraine's troops from the ungodly designation. In fact, the guide instructs media figures and politicians to claim that Ukrainian soldiers, quote, offer sacrifices and conduct ritual killings, as well as using women and children as a human shield. <sighs> the guide recommends saying, quote, for Ukro-Nazis, there is no such thing as morality. They don't think in such terms because they are truly godless. They are not afraid of the divine penalties they will face for their at atrocities. Many of the Ukro-Nazis are open Satanists and followers of hateful cults. I mean, I I'm sorry for using the funny accent here, just that I'm reading such idiocy in official state documents in Russia that it, uh, I, I don't know how to react otherwise. And also, you know, we're talking about a government that, that's supposed to this as their official guideline, and then you're trying me that Putin's a master strategist with great plans. When this is their policy on what media should write. This is the document there. You're trying to tell me that people who write, like, D&D-level, uh, like, role-playing game, GM explaining you stuff, um, just doing, doing all this thing. This is just crazy. This is just so stupid. And they have internal conflicts as well. And they don't understand a lot of stuff. I mean, I can't I can't really give too much comment on this one because at some point, at some point when you're so deep into this propaganda issue, it all stops making sense. Well, at least it provides some good fun. This has been a bit of a longer news episode than usual, but like I said, I was supposed to launch one yesterday and uh, I don't know when I'll be able to do that in the States. I'll, I'll make some, definitely. I'll make some, and I really hope to meet some of you guys, and, you know, you should hang out. Um, I'm bringing Honey and Riga Black Balsam to you guys, to whom I meet. I hope to meet as many as possible. Otherwise, my hosts with whom I'm staying, is gonna they're going to have a lot of Latvian honey farm-made. I can show you the farm. I can show you the beehive. We have photos and everything. But, yeah, thank you for listening, and, uh, well, although this whole thing is scary... Russian propaganda sometimes just creates its own entertainment. Please consider supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash the eastern border, or just, you know, click the money button on our Twitter page, because we're mostly on Twitter. Yeah, I'm banned from Facebook again, this time for seven days, because Russian trolls are bored of me again, of course, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. And um, if you're going to donate to us this month in August, or have done this before well, with, with the statement that... Um, you're, you're kind of uh, pinching in for, for the supplies for the Ukrainian military, then know that all the PayPal money PayPal money, money that you kind of donate, if you go to the eastern border.lv and click the donate button there, all of that's going to a separate fund. 
I'm, I'm only spending my Patreon money on that of my own needs and paying bills and all this stuff. All the PayPal money until my birthday, 20th of August, goes into the fund of providing support for the Ukrainian forces and for good charities. If we can get enough money to buy them the expensive drone that they need, I think it's DJI Mattress 300, or but they have cheaper options too. Well, we're gonna get, we're gonna we're gonna collect all the money and see what we can get from the list of the things that I need. Everything else, the remainder, or if we don't get enough money, all of this is gonna go to, well, through Ukrainian embassy and Latvian embassy in Ukraine through them. We're we're not messing around. I have direct contacts after all from my time there. So it's gonna be great. So yeah. Like I said, happiness is mandatory. Well, hope to see some of you soon.